Dear God, here is Amanda. Well, you know that. Thank you for bringing us together, Lord. And thank you for this meal, which we gratefully receive. Bless Amanda's body, which is hurting now, but has done so many wonderful things. And bless her mind, which is shrouded in darkness. And reach out to her like you did to me. Amen. Is he? podcast exploring faith and fear, what scares us and what saves us. This is The Fear of God. Hello and welcome back to a brand new year and a brand new era. Here at your favorite podcast at the intersection of faith and fear, where every week we discuss what scares us in order to find what saves us. This is the fear of God. Speaking to you right now is one of your hosts, Nathan Rouse, and typically with me is fellow co-host Reed Lackey. And guys, he was here dressed in a bed sheet saying he was heading to the beach. Listen. Reed's fashion sense notwithstanding, it was still an odd move for ye lackey. In the meantime, allow me to welcome you listeners back into the fog. Thank you for joining us in this first series of the year, that of 2020 one more time, running down five films from your top 10 horror of 2021. On top of that, and for patrons only right now, we're hanging in the crockpot with a TV guidepost featuring Mike Flanagan's Netflix series, Midnight Mass. Last week, we hung with foreign correspondent Vera Gowdy at the night house that wasn't, sort of. This week, we are checking in with old St. Maud. I just can't wait for this one. As a reminder to you here at The Fear of God... We explore. We don't explain. Except for right now when I explain that you can find every fog and fear of God thing imaginable at the fear of God podcast.com. Find how to support us on Patreon as well as essays, team bios, episode archives, merch. Read, read. You're, you're here. I wanted to kind of come in armed with like some Welsh phrases, but I did, I didn't. 
I didn't do that homework, so hmm. it didn't happen. So yeah, all right. Well, better luck anyway, next time. yeah, yeah. But it was fun at the beach. Great. So, um, what did you think of the night house? Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Good night house. <laughs> Good night house. <laughs> Good night moon. That was funny. Good night house. That was a fun episode. It was a fun. It was fun it was. to discuss the film with you and Vera that I had yes. a genuinely good time doing so M- well, more so it might be said than watching the night house. Hmm. Sometimes that happens. Actually, I should, that's not fair. I had fun watching the night house. It was when I began to think about it, that it all fell apart. That's fair. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. I think that's yeah. what happened. Yeah. Hmm. Um, so yeah, speaking of fun, we got this movie. Do you want to, do you want to talk about a little bit of some God, business as it were? Yes. If you like, we, we joke about this, but if you haven't joined the Patreon yet, it is not a false of the state. You are missing out. Mm. We do have, uh, some segments of each episode, uh, specifically right now, the TV guide posts of midnight mass. Um, and you know, <laughs> doggone it i stumped you two weeks in a row reed you are yeah, just yeah, you did flailing yeah. in the wind but you You're know like, what's nice about it is we're having a good time doing it, <laughs> it stump uh, it is really fun is my yes. new favorite segment uh, yeah. just wait till um, we get to the uh, hmm. segment that i'm gonna craft called what does nathan remember we'll we'll see how fun that is that's great but see what's fun <laughs> is we already know the answer <laughs> nothing <laughs> nothing yeah so uh yeah, yeah. there's that yeah so so listeners right now go on it's easy go do it go join the patreon <laughs> five bucks a month you get extra frivolity you get uh, a heaping helping of crock pot island you know it's <laughs> god i love that show speaking you can of tell reading, which of us um you can tell which of us works in sales and which ones work in procurement so, the one yeah. who's afraid to ask for the thing that his show yep. launched mm-hmm. that he's been doing for five years to just kind of say, hey, yeah, we've been doing this for five years. It's kind of time. Present. Uh, yep. It is. <laughs> it is. Oh, now about this movie. <laughs> oh, <man. laughs> Good night. So you didn't know. Any- did you know anything about this movie going into it? Hell no. <laughs> You're like, uh-uh, uh-uh. Mm-mm, no, I didn't know. I knew, I knew it existed. I knew some of the foggers had chatted about it sometime middle, middle of last year or so. Uh, but I did not pay a whole lot of attention to, well, I do think I remember seeing, so, uh, you know, like, I'm not sure someone saying, I'm sure, you know, I was like, oh, okay. Yep. There's Mm. foggers at work. Um, (laughs) so no, I, I, good gracious. I knew nothing about this movie and it is funny so it's not a week, funny movie no <laughs> yeah, <going>. no <laughs> sorry no no uh last week with vera when we talked about putting on old shoes when it comes to watching horror movies watching yes. this and i was like you know what <laughs> no <laughs> these aren't <laughs> these the shoes, shoes i was talking about yeah. yes <laughs> these, these boots shoes have nails in them no. Yes. Oh, no. Gosh, that's a terrible no. scene. Oh my god. Yeah, yes. this is one of those movies that you watch occasionally and you're like this is horror. <laughs> Absolutely. It has it's it is and I say this since in it's like oppressive. It's very very heavy on the did spirit. Did you did you say this? Uh I would rank this 
stronger contenders than some of the things you had on, or I'm sorry, when Lackey the Listicle comes back next time, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I may level with him and be like, listen, Lackey the Listicle, uh, <laughs> I appreciate you bringing your lists down from the mountain. Sure. But I think St. Maud definitively earns a place on that top six. I don't know that it, for me, I don't know that it earns top six. I think it, there's a easy case for top 10. I don't know that it earns top six because I don't if the, like. If you're, if you're, come on. Okay. If yeah. you're, hey, what we're referring to here, if you aren't a patron, is Lackey the <laughs> Listicle, your favorite, you know, listless, list making lackey showed up for the first time this year and he mm-hmm. gave us a top six of uh, religious horror films. And he happened to include on there a couple. I'll name one signs. I love signs, but Mm -hmm. if you're talking religious horror movies, this Mm -hmm. qualifies far above that. I love signs and I think it still qualifies for that title. Uh, But anyway, point being. Yes. And this is a good segue into St. Maud because if the list were defining by nightmarish oppression, I would agree with you. (laughs) If if the list were defined like, hey, what's, you know, just uh, make you sh- your pants kind of thing. Like, that's that's maybe <laughs> it's going to be, maybe it's going to be that on this list. It will but, be on that list. This. But if it's, but if it's the kind of thing where it's like, I, I, again, this is a way into St. Maud. Like, I do think there's some really compelling things about the film. But if I'm going to rank, like, if you're dealing with the subject of religion and fear, religion and horror, I think there are films that don't necessarily have to be scarier to rise higher for me on the list. Like, you know, St. Maud is a very, very oppressive film that directly deals with horror, you know. But I think uh, in many ways, uh, you know, I'll go ahead and cite a film that didn't make the list, uh, not spoiling the whole thing for for. Uh, the patrons, but like the the witch, I think in many ways is much more oppressive and scarier than what than what I put on that list. So if by that criteria, yeah, the whole that list would be jumbled up. Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was it was my friend. Sure, no, um, and and I don't I don't mean to give you too much uh, flack for that, or you know <laughs> that other guy. <laughs> <laughs> that other guy. Um, now, had you uh, did was this just? on your list last year and you're like, Oh, well, here it is. Let's do it. You it know, was actually what, what recommended to it. me. It, so it was on my radar. It was on my radar, but then it was actual, and it was actually like, uh, com- compelled for me to see it by a friend of the show. And, you know, we hear his voice every week. Andrew Nelson, um, had messaged me and said like, Hey, you really should check out St. Maud because I really want to know your thoughts on it. Um, and so I knew that I would because I'd been looking for an excuse to see it anyway. And I think it hit Hulu somewhere around there. Cause one thing that might be confusing for people is like, wait a second, you said top 20 top horror films of 2021 is what you're covering. And it says that this was made in 2019. Yes. Listeners brief rundown. It was made in 2019. I think it even premiered in like 2020 on the festival circuit. It was not released in the U S until 2021, January of 2021 specifically, I think. Um, so, uh, that's, that's why it meets that criteria as it were um but he compelled me to watch it and i remember what's really i mean kind of interesting about it is that that night uh listeners by now know we you know we've talked about it a little bit listeners by now know that i um partnered up with uh tyler smith of more than one lesson to write a documentary about faith and horror called valley of the shadow and um the 
coincidentally, the first night that he and I had our inaugural brainstorming, let's actually talk about the structure of this kind of thing, that same night, I watched St. Maud, and I had every intention coming out of the conversation to just like, okay, I'm going to do that, I'm going to watch a movie to kind of get the the brain juices flowing, and then I'm going to do a little bit of writing. I couldn't write after the movie. Like, I, I, I couldn't. I couldn't. I needed to watch, like, some Simpsons to to get some of the things sort of out of my system. And I even said, I think I even said back to Andrew, he'll remember better than I will, but I think I even said back to Andrew after the fact, like, I'm still processing it, man. Like, it's like, it was, it was well, a lot to take in. If I can overlap on your story here, not knowing sure. that, uh, I watched St. Maude the other night and, you know, I'm texting you as I go and just, <laughs> yeah. Scream, scream emojis and poop club references, I'm sure. And <laughs> because it's so harrowing, I, in five years of watching horror movies, I have never done this until St. Maud. Wow. Uh, wow. I, in this case, it wasn't Simpsons, but I was like, ah, ah, Arrested Development. Let's watch an episode of that. So I just watched the pilot of Arrested Development. <laughs> I was like, I gotta, I gotta cleanse my palate. Oh my, my brain and my God. spirit are drenched with dirt oh my sin. lord and so i texted you that and then you were like oh i did the simpsons that's how you talk in my head uh, i'm kidding yeah um mm-hmm. but no this is <laughs> this is a friggin' fracking insane movie you it's if you're okay with it you just invoked our resident minstrel the the yaskier to yeah. mm-hmm. perhaps mm-hmm. my girl mm-hmm. and your yennefer mm-hmm. if we can yeah did you just hear? Did you miss that? No, I didn't miss it. The Yaskier to Geralt, okay. and you called me Jennifer. I did. I did. I did. Yeah. Um, <laughs> let's let's uh, let's 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 dial in on all Saint Maud and see. Sure as hell ain't right. <laughs> I'm just gonna put it in right there. Andrew, Andrew just interrupted me uh, uh, mid sentence. That's impressive. How did he know? Um, oh, okay, so we should have done this before coming into that. So right or that ain't right because nothing's so right about this movie. But uh, uh, live-in nurse uh, uh, becomes infatuated-ish yes. with saving the soul of her patient. Uh, it, everything goes sideways. Is effectively the story. Uh, hey, um, yes, yes. All right, so read one, two, three, four, five, six. <laughs> oh I've got six God. on my list. We st- certainly don't have to do all of those, but wow, we can do two each if um, we want to. I probably have okay, to let's do, do two that. Each. Yeah. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna take the biggest one. Read do it. Go ahead. The, I mean, there's so many. There's so many. There's, there's so, so many, many. But there's so many. There's so many. But mods breakdown from the second she gets in that pub mm. to the minute big boy finishes is horrific. Yes. It is horrific. She goes to the pub trying to drown her sorrows. Mm-hmm. She mm-hmm. she you know she grabs yes. old fella in the grabs old fella in the hallway and wow. Yes. <laughs> little little how's your father? <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Ha <laughs> 
Oh no. Oh no. Oh. Man, Silk Little House, your father. I'm red. I'm red right now. Beat red. Oh, All right. God. Yeah. So that happens. And then she spies another fellow, rather repulsive fellow, across the room. Mm. And next thing you know, they're they're going at it in what mm. is arguably the worst sex scene in any movie ever. Like, it's yes. so yes. repulsive. Yes. And not only is just the... I mean, the movie itself is just grimy. It is a grimy mm-hmm. film. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Kind of intentionally so. So... And she's in the depths of despair um, and she's going to town on this fella. And it's just, it's just awful. There's oh. there is literally nothing uh, uh, alluring, attractive, titillating, sensual, romantic whatsoever. Not at all. Then, so, so, so like, that's just the mechanical part. Then what little we know about her backstory, she has these flashes in the middle of this coitus encounter of horrific imagery from her time mm-hmm. in a hospital setting of, of some sort of vivisection or something or other, then envisions <laughs> mid-sex, her hands on his chest, again, flashing into these images, and then crushes his chest. Oh, my Lord. Like, envisions her killing him. Mm-hmm. She shrieks in terror, and he, quote-unquote, comforts her, and then effectively, you know, has his way at the end. I mean, it's, it's I was like, terrible. Oh, it's terrible. Oh my God. Oh no, my God. it's, oh my it's God. Terrible. It, and it doesn't relent. No, it doesn't. Yeah. That whole, no. that whole, all of you describe all, all that you described takes place over the course of maybe like eight to 10 minutes. And it does not. Mm-hmm. Relent. None of it. it is it's oh, terrible. It's very oppressive. Very, very that, oppressive. That, all of that. Ain't right. Ain't right. It ain't right. Um, Second, what you, what you got? What that you was on my list. You know what? I'm gonna <laughs> write. I'm gonna cite. Um, I'm gonna cite the, and I don't know how much we should talk about it right now because maybe we'll talk about it in greater depth later. But I'm gonna cite the final shot of the film. Mm, my God! Because yeah, it just the final shot of the film. Again, I'm going to describe. What happens in the film, we won't necessarily have to unpack it right now. We'll maybe get back to it a little bit later. But uh, she becomes convinced that she has to, you know, uh, display herself in some way to the people around her to be able to, I don't know what she's thinking. And so she, she goes down to the beach, garbed in like a robe. She goes down to the beach. Bed it's but a yes. bed sheet, but, but yeah. And she, so she's garbed, but she's wearing a bed sheet as if it were a robe. Yes. And yes. then she is, she covers herself, s- soaks herself in acetone. And then when she does, she, in, in the presence of a bunch of beachgoers, lights herself on fire. Now, when she lights herself on fire after saying, This is a brilliant scene. It really is. Because when she lights herself on fire after saying glory to God, the first thing we see is her adorned kind of in splendor, like mm-hmm. luminescent, flowing, angelic wings appear behind her. It is a very beatific sort of tableau. And then good everybody... Word. Too good to <laughs> <her>. Whoa! 
You're like, oh, and it's a big the 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 beach going crowd fall to their knees and begin to to adulate and worship, and that sustains for thirty ish seconds, maybe not even that long, but it sustains for for a little bit, and then as you're watching Maud in this splendor. Without warning, it cuts to the same shot. Yeah, mm-hmm. and it, it is it is like one or two seconds, but it cuts to the same basic pose of Maud, but she is wailing in agony as her body is in flames, and then and then credits. Yeah, black. it leaves you with that That's for insane. like three seconds, and then cut to black. And I was like, oh my god, like that. As far as like final moments go, oh yes, I I couldn't shake it. I couldn't shake it. I was that that did me in. Um, yeah, yeah, it ain't right. Yeah, it no, right. no, no, no. Yeah, that that will that scene will drive you to some good comedy viewing to <laughs> wa- wash your will. spirit. I need to get into a good comedy. Let me get some <laughs> impulse by watching The Last of Saint Maud. <laughs> Yes, let me rid my spirit of this darkness and and lest it be lost like you you said this i'll reemphasize it it's brilliantly executed Mm -hmm. i mean it is in in terms of like narrative film craft everything it is brilliant it also in no way is anywhere close to right it ain't right like no 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 all right no what you got what's your next let me okay there's so many um there, there are i'm gonna choose one based on jump scare okay nope, knowing okay. i'm leaving some on the table gonna see what you're gonna say and maybe an honorable mention but mm-hmm. i'm choosing it based on jump scare because i know where you're going as soon as you say poop, it i know exactly where you're going poop club happened it, it did yeah, it i'm did. sure i I'm mean sure. you know mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um <laughs> oh i can't I, <laughs> I don't even like thinking about it but when uh, when Maud finally returns to her patient, <laughs> well, <laughs> it's it's too much. This movie is yes. too much. I um, knew this is where you were going. Oh, this movie is too much. I don't even know what the hell happens. But Maud goes back to her patient to administer mm-hmm. her form of whatever sacramental sort of thing she's meant <laughs> to do. And Amanda, the patient, like I'm getting the willies <laughs> just too. talking about I, this you, crowd. You, I'm having God. a visceral reaction while mm, you're describing mm, the scene again. Mm, mm. And Lord she, uh-uh. It just ain't right. Nope. You can't do it. <laughs> so she, she goes. And I don't even know what happens, Reed. I don't know what happens. But Maud climbs up on the bed to what? I could, like, she wants you kn- to. You know it. I know. You know at this point in the story, Maud is delusional. Like, she is having visions of things that aren't present and real and yes she's she had a black philip moment that was active and real and a a a roach Mm -hmm. effing talked to her my god Mm -hmm. um there's that (laughs) (laughs) what's incredible is that's not the top of the list and there's that too it's like "Eh, come here uh, take a bite. <laughs> Help me. <laughs> Want to have something or not? <laughs> Please come give me boodle juice. Oh so, my god. 
so yeah she's been she's deranged she's delusional she's seeing things she is jacked up in the head goes back to amanda to i don't exactly remember what her purpose there is other than to finish saving her soul because that's the whole uh, thrust of her mission yeah yeah and Friggin' hey man, something happens. I don't know if I, I, it had to be VFX. I, 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 but I don't know that for certain. But some friggin' oh my oh god, my god. some oh my god. next level, oh my, just golem esque thing happens because this woman who she's been tending to as her patient is cancer ridden. Her hair is now sparse. Um, think the old lady in uh, Shutter Island that you know, yes, Leo yes. sees, mm-hmm. uh, mm-hmm. putting her finger to her lips. Same idea. Ooh. She's in this Damn. bed. Maude climbs up on the bed and just, I don't know what happens. Her head elongates and shrieks or something. I don't even yeah. remember. I, black, yeah. I blacked out. I blacked out reading. Like, oh, and I'm, he's gone. Oh. <laughs> 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 just passed out. Oh. <laughs> I came to just in time for the final shot. Like, oh. oh. <laughs> You are, oh my God, you're like that, you're like that doctor that can't stand the sight of blood. Every incision is just like, no, it's like, it's like Sully watching Boo get crushed in the incinerator. Yeah. <laughs> that's oh. the one. That's, that is the exact, that is the exact image. Well, no, yeah, it's like she, Amanda, that's the patient, like simultaneously, mm. <laughs> four things happen simultaneously. <laughs> thing number my one bo- my spirit left my body for <laughs> <laughs> it's like in no way home when strange pops peter's spirit up like oh uh-oh. <laughs> like, I don't please know what please don't put me back <laughs> oh my god but the first thing that happens is her she her mouth like elongates yes. like stretches out and to your point i it it looks like there's some form of effects affectation on there it might have just been the actor just the well, overall it's either of it. prosthetic or vfx i mean it's yes, not that's yeah. not god Being, i hope oh, that's not humanly possible but oh my lord but yeah so her her mouth elongates that's thing number one thing number two she leaps forward so she leaps forward at the screen oh i had passed out <laughs> you're like no i'm i'm, I'm done um Take me. Se- second thing is she screams as as it's happening, she she yells at Maud as as so it all happens <sighs> simultaneously. Face elongates. She charges forward at the screen while she while she screams at Maud. It's uh uh-uh. uh. Well, uh-uh. I mean, you you reminded me more. All I knew was I shit my pants, and that was about it. You know, it's like I can't. Uh oh, you know, just, that's what <laughs> oh happened gosh. all simultaneously. <laughs> so yes, that's my number two. It was, wasn't it? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> um, what else you got? Wow, I need to top that. Mm. Top that. Mm. Uh, I will cite to much lesser degree of that, but just for for sheer terror and awfulness of when she puts the tacks, the nails oh underneath God. underneath the insole. She she has an insole, a shoe insole that is you know as pins, nails, whatever they are, like long pointy whatever tacks pins nails whatever pushed up through the insole she puts the insole in the in the shoe and then presses her foot down into the shoe to punish herself I, we, and then walks around like the next scene is her I, bloodied feet yeah, I, inside I, of her and she's i just i can't barely I can't. moving dear god this is terrible uh, it's <laughs> 
effectively this entire movie is that ain't right material it really is like really in is. a way we haven't quite hit in a while and i don't mean yeah. just omitting what saves us i don't even mean ignoring that like we this is this is in the halls oh yeah oh yeah um yeah, yeah you got get us out of here andrew okay please that sure as hell ain't right what else you got don't tell me like a motorcycle outside my house. That's always a little creepy at midnight. It's um, never fun for me when you, my visual <laughs> component, just suddenly look above screen and I can tell yeah. that you're looking either for or at something. That's never fun for me. Especially especially after the scene we just talked about. I was yeah, like, oh yeah. my God, no, don't. All right, don't so I got it. a question for you. No. What? And I'm genuinely curious because I was confused by just the sheer griminess. What happened at the old job? Do you, is that clear? It's not clear. Um, it's not clear. I okay, have cool. a th- I have a theory. <laughs> no, I have a theory based on the scene that you cited in That Ain't Right. I have a theory that she was trying to revive a patient by CPR and crush their chest. That is the trauma that I believe happened to her. I believe because when she's in that scene mm-hmm. where she's having yeah yeah sex yeah, with that guy. That. At first, I mean, I don't want to remember that, but you just reminded no, I understand. me. But yeah, yeah. yeah. <clears throat> but like at first, she's trying to revive him by CPR, and then his chest caves in. I am just presuming that is the thing that happened because we know we know from the narrative that she lost her job. She lost right. her job at that, and and well, the, the very the opening film opened, shot. Of, the film opens yes. with a pretty dank sort of. I mean, what the hell kind of hospital is this? Where, this is that? like yes, this is what? like. This is like Jack Napier getting jokered in Tim oh Burton Batman gosh, level ter- hospital well, facility. And then the hospital's got the roach crawling across the top. Like, right. That's, Ain't yeah, nothing like, good going to happen in a movie when it starts with a roach on a ceiling. No. Oh but God. am I wrong? Do I remember a scalpel in that scene? That's why I was confused. I was like, because I'm with you, the mm. that mm. that sex scene that we need to keep bringing up because it's so lovely, <laughs> like is meant to be resonant for whatever happened to her. But. And again, I'm I'm could be misremembering. It's also yeah. So I I don't remember a scalpel specifically. Maybe there was one, and I could have completely Sorry. misinterpreted the moment. But but what I took the information that moment was giving us was that what had happened before is that she had tried too aggressively and improperly to administer CPR to someone that then in the process she crushed their chest, um, and that that was the the um, traumatic impetus for her doing something else with her life um so yeah and and maybe because we know that she used to be kind of a partier and we know that she used to you know to drink a lot and everything and so maybe it was Hmm. again the film does not spell it out for you but um but but yeah maybe maybe it had something to do with that do you do you have a speculation on why she goes by an alternate name no you know i'm talking about right I do. Friend. Yeah, she, her, she's Katie. Yeah, so right. her real name is Katie. The only thing I could figure, yeah, the only thing I could figure was, for some reason, do on their style of job, you know, the in-home nursing mm-hmm. thing. Do they need some anonymity somehow? I don't, I don't know why that would be, but yeah, anyway, I don't. It was the only I thing I could know. really figure out. But no, like it, I do know that, like she, I, I know why she assumed the moniker of Maud, and that's rooted in that dedication page thing. Um, but I don't know why she assumes a moniker at all. I don't know why she's taken on a false name. 
Um, but uh, what do you yeah. mean in the dedication page? I don't remember what you're talking you about. You know the the little bo- book of William Blake poetry that she's reading. Um, yeah, but she's given that. In other words, she refers to herself as Maud before she has the book. Oh yeah, that's true. Nope, nope. I'm wrong about why about why she chose it then. Yeah, uh, I just it's such a pleasant thing to hear that. Um, <laughs> wow, you love it so much. Um, um, no, but I don't know why she t- she presumes a, a, a false name. Um, it could be in some effort. I'm just speculating here, but it could be in some effort to just sort of uh, start afresh renew sure. herself you know kind of thing following the trauma of the other because she still answers to katie when her former co-worker comes and, and encounters were you surprised her. she doesn't kill a co-worker i felt like it was definitely building to I that i thought it was building to cool that swerve. yeah i thought it was building to that um but i think at that moment if i'm tracking maud's delusion i think at that moment She's not in the camp to kill anybody at that moment. Maybe to sacrifice herself because she's already, sure, you know, got the acetone. She already has the thing, so maybe to sacrifice herself. But uh, I don't think at that moment that she's in the mode to kill anybody. In fact, I think the only reason that she does wind up killing Amanda is because of the vision she had of Amanda, sure. you know, like freaking out and becoming possessed of something, which we didn't talk about because it's not as jarringly scary as the rest, but immediately following that horrendous jump scare we mentioned, then Amanda is on the bed, like almost Gollum status, like in a deep guttural voice, yeah, yeah, taunting yeah. and tormenting Maud, uh, for the next like minute or so. And so it's just, yeah, it, but that's why I don't think she kills the coworker. Although I definitely am with you, I thought it was going to go that route, that route. And then I mean, just, it's a pretty it incredible moment when that's, that's similar to, but even not quite as strong as, but pretty incredible moment when the, the imagery of the wings appear on her in the apartment. Yes. I was like, this yes. is, mm-hmm. this is pretty, listen, God willing, I'll never watch this movie again, but <laughs> I've seen pretty it twice. Im- some, some pretty impressive <laughs> uh, production going on with it. Um, Absolutely. So I'm tempted to sort of pose a thematic question. Mm-hmm. Um, but before I do that, do you think like, so I'll, I'll pose these together and, and sort of tackle whatever you want. One was premeditated one, not so much. The one not so much is as we're just discussing her delusions. Don't, don't put too much weight down on this question. In other words, don't let this be the focus, but it, it came okay. to me mm-hmm. while you were okay. talking of, of just like what turns, what is it? Is it purely sort of mental instability that feels a little reductive, but just, you know, trauma, uh, neurosis, uh, you know, pathologies that morph this religious mindset into delusion, you know, cause, cause something happens mm-hmm. uh, that, that, that turns a corner for her. Although, I mean, she has kind of ecstatic orgasmic religious experience pretty early. I mean, that's not, yeah. So this is pretty new or not new ground for her, maybe just heightened. So where I'm going with this is this movie is really fascinating to me as, as repulsive as it is. And when you asked in midnight mass on -hmm. our patron episode, you asked about, I am articulating it this particular way when conviction over supersedes people, when conviction supersedes, when principle kind of overrides 
maybe compassion, you know, kind of, kind of fill in the blank for, I, I know you understand the sentiment I'm after in rearticulating yeah, that. Yeah. Because what's interesting about this movie uh, is one, there's this whole like purity culture toxicity. That's pretty much at the heart of it, which is fascinating and semi interesting. And, and I, I, I remember, you know, kind of high school, even college era, uh, faith language about, you know, invoking kind of romantic language and imagery for relationship with God, mm-hmm. which is, I'm hesitant to use the word problematic, but I don't think that's too far off. So that, yeah. that's a really interesting facet of this film, but what, and, and why I'm kind of tiptoeing into this is it's, it is threatening to just throw a grenade in a backpack, uh, <laughs> a, a giant grenade in a tiny satchel, tiny purse. Um, What's what rang out to me is this drumbeat we keep on about saving someone versus wondering how they're doing. And mm-hmm. and even that feels too reductive for what the movie's after, but it can't be ignored. Cause dude, like you you were enmeshed in a version of church life that that I wasn't, but even then the the language of saving the 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 energy behind you know getting people in the the mm-hmm. that whole mechanism that whole uh, just just tsunami of energy that was put into those types of uh, rhetorical argumentation, those types of, I mean, it's the, it's the Roman road and I'm, and I'm actually right. not trying to discredit certain things. I'm simply saying like, it's fascinating to watch a literal illustration of someone try desperately to, to do what our earlier Christian selves would have said is sort of right and appropriate, save them mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and to not just fail so badly at it but to so clearly be wrong, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, it's just oh, really, yeah. it's really interesting to me to observe that and to sort of, you know, cause as I've, as I've assessed this movie in the last couple of days and think coming into this conversation, like there's a world where someone could, this is my version of, of thinking of the argument in my head. <laughs> someone, someone could, try to tell me I'm trying to let myself off the hook, you know, for, Oh, you didn't, you, you weren't really into trying to save people anyway. So this lets you off the, you know, like you, you don't have to apply these doctrines because you never really did. And I think that's kind of dumb to head argument arguer. Uh, but I also don't think it's wrong either. Meaning the, the energy spent running over life in favor of an outcome mm-hmm. have fun no just kidding <laughs> but 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 i think but you understand what i'm after it's just this I really do. fascinating I um I, I did actually write it down as question but you know is this is this the problem with saving people is you mm. stop actually mm. caring for them I would, in brief, answer that it is certainly a problem. Sure. A, the, yeah. 
in the sense that the person's well-being, and this has always bothered me, even when I was more inclined to validate and recite that traditional language than I would be right now, it has always bothered me that basically the idea was you just need to get them to say the words, and then once they say the words, then that's then your job is done. Now you just move on from that. Like, you know, sure. like <clears throat> it has always been in my thinking about conversion discipleship, all of those kinds of things, it has always bothered me or been unsettling in my spirit that a lot of it does boil down to, or, you know, for many people just boils down to, oh, they said the sinner's prayer or they walked the Romans road and they um, committed themselves in that way to an expression of Christian faith. And then from there that, you know, now on to the next one, like we're just going to tally up all of the, all of the lists. And so like in this in this moment, when I'm thinking about Maud's efforts towards Amanda, when she does go back and visit Amanda before it all goes nightmarish, like Amanda says to her, and it's, it's weird, it's hard for me to know how to read this moment, but Amanda says to her, I'm so sorry I was unkind to you. You made me think of things I didn't want to think of. And that's what Amanda mm-hmm. says back to her. And so I do feel... We are, we can be, shouldn't say we are, um, that version, that vision of the mission of spreading the gospel, if you want to call it that. There's, there's a, an iteration that says our vision for spreading the gospel is we're going to preach it, we're going to declare it, and then at that point, we're going to say, you're converted, snap your fingers, you're saved, a la, you know, leftovers, like you're converted, you're saved. Hmm. I, I think I've shared this story before and I'll share it again. Um, it was one of the uh, hinge points for me shifting a little bit away from some of that language and some of that ideology in that way was I can remember I was hanging out with a friend uh, and this was in like early college days. In fact, I don't think that we were hanging out yet. We may not have even met yet because it was really early college days, like maybe even like the first couple of months. But I remember I was hanging out with a friend and we went to the theater and we saw a movie and the movie was like super raunchy. Um, And so when we saw the movie, like I was kind of uncomfortable by some of the sexual content in the film. And I remember I felt like really upset and I was, and I started trying to talk to my friend about like, oh yeah, just, you know, navigating the ethics and the morals of it in relation to, you know, still being very entrenched in traditional Christian values and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And then I remember at one point he just kind of got fed up with it and he looked at it and he's like, just sighed real big. And he said, do we just need to say the sinner's prayer so that we can move on from this? And when he said that, it re- like it was a it, 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 it's too much to call it paradigm shifting but it really was sure. like oh wait like okay yeah that's and and for me that was a bit of a a shift in that moment of like okay well it, it is something richer it is something bigger it's something more meaningful it's something deeper and i feel like yes in this the, the short answer is that it is a problem when you view a person as a transaction and when you view a person as if the health of their spirit, the health of their soul, uh, death and life of their well-being and of their, of their personhood 
if you view that like a light switch that is flipped on or turned off, that is very problematic and that's very dangerous. And I say that to any of my brothers and sisters who still hold to um, the traditional conversation to have of the Roman road or anything. Like if your view is, okay, good, I got them to say the sinner's prayer, I got them to accept Christ, and now we're moving on, that is, I do not believe that is a Christ-centric expression of the gospel. Sure. And I feel like in a lot of ways, the delusion that Maud has is relative to her need to save someone. Mm-hmm. I do feel like she really feels that impulse, that need, but she is terribly toxic in her spirit. We see her, you know, give money to a person. She says, you know, don't waste your pain early on in the film, you know, before everything goes like visibly sideways for her. You know, don't waste your pain. And and one of my questions, which we're not going to spend a ton of time on, but I'll reference just sort of looping it into my further answer of yours, and then I don't know how much longer we'll spend writ large on on this conversation at all. But um, one of the questions that I was going to ask you is, is, who told us that God desires our punishment? Like, who, who told us that? Who told us that God desires from us self-flagellation and self-punishment and, and you know, like, who, who told us that that is something God has imparted to us to said, like, oh, look at me, I'm going to punish um, myself and I'm going to hurt myself. And Reformed bros? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> but I think my biggest issue is, like, that is so the antithesis of who I believe Christ to be and who I have experienced Christ as in my life. That is so antithetical to all of that. And I feel like a lot of times the the personally induced suffering that Maud layers onto her, onto herself, and the way in which she pervasively insists that she absolutely must save Amanda's soul. She must save Amanda's soul before Amanda dies. It is rooted in... A, a concept that I think we, man, we don't have the time for me to properly give this its breath. But I'll say it this way. The concept that you have to, at all costs, by any means necessary, get someone to say words or get someone to commit to a thing, even if it's only in your mind somewhat superficial or, or, or tacit, just a base thing, um, that is more rooted in some sort of fantasy magic than it is a profound, robust, healthy faith. Sure. That yeah. if, and, and I feel like a lot of times our expressions of faith in the efforts to try to save someone like is not pointing them towards holistic wholeness and goodness. Uh, man, I, 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 I get so frustrated by the ways in which somebody will write off entire traumatic events, somebody's personal struggles with mental health or somebody's personal struggles with physical health, and they'll write it all off and they'll say like, well, you know, just you got to just trust God or, you know, you got to just go with God on this or God has a plan or something like that. And just sort of by, just like completely bypass everything that that person is going through. And I feel like in a lot of ways, we are more superstitious than we are faithful. And I feel like Maud is superstition mixed with delusion. And when you get superstition and delusion 
and it's all pretending to be life or death faith, you're in a really dangerous place to do some real harm to yourself and to others around you. And I feel like, yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. All I was going to say is just what's so fascinating. And I think it's instructive uh, and, and would not necessarily advise anyone to watch this movie in order to benefit from this instruction. But what (laughs) Maude teaches us through her example is the truism that you can become so consumed with getting another saved that you yourself become lost. And absolutely. And that is a pretty perilous, I might say with no time to nuance, this calls into question the mission of get a person saved uh, versus Mm -hmm. cause, cause, and, and perhaps my final thought here, like what's so worth noting is Maud actively ignores all Amanda's actual needs. Yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting. I, I saw this article the other day, our kids, uh, maybe this past weekend or whatever. Anyway, a couple of them have gotten into playing video games together in a new, a new way. That's, that's pretty fun to watch and, you know, kind of just see them interact and, and relate in this way that's relatively new for them. And I was sharing with my wife, this article like, well, I saw this piece that was about how uh, our impulse as parents sometimes can be to shut down some of that stuff. But this article was talking about how, uh, when your kid expresses a liking for a thing within reason, healthy reason you feed that liking, you know, and how, Mm -hmm. how so often we want to starve people of the things they actually enjoy, you know, uh, out of Mm -hmm. some sort Mm -hmm. of sense. Now, you know, you can't eat candy around the clock, but you understand the, the point I'm trying to make yeah, here, which is, of course, course. Maud doesn't see what Amanda actually needs, right? And, and 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 needs in her final hours and days yeah. of just connection, a sense of belonging, a, a perception that others care for her, and so she kind of yes. goes out of her way to fab to make that happen for herself, and mm-hmm. it makes Maud pushes her even further out. Uh, anyway, so. You can mm. you can become so consumed with saving others that you yourself are lost, and that's that's I frightening. I couldn't agree more. You and I are both actively trying to wind down. I'm going to express as quickly as possible one uh, particular thing, and I'm going to cite scripture. One of the scriptures that I think I've said this on the show before, but it has become very very important to me. When Christ was talking with Nicodemus in John chapter 3, and he was talking to him about being born again and all of these different things, he said, that which is of the flesh is flesh, and that which is of the spirit is spirit. And it has become a matter of profound meditation for me that too many times we in the church want to offer spiritual solutions for physical needs, and we want to try to just like focus on spiritual things instead of physical things. Uh, Humbling myself in the moment, there was a time you know, more than 20 years ago, I will never forget. There was a moment where, uh, I was in uh, a reasonably public place and somebody was suffering a health crisis. And in that moment, uh, I remember because they had felt faint, lightheaded, dizzy, and I was praying for them and I was very quickly praying for them. And I remember somebody else ran up, shoved me out of the way with no apology, shoved me out of the way to give this person a cup of water. And it was a real, it's, it's sta- the moment that, has stayed with it me. Doesn't, uh, the metaphor doesn't get much more on the nose than that, Reed. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, the moment has stayed with me. Sure. I didn't think to go get the person water. I'm not saying I was doing something bad or ill sure. or wrong to pray for them. But this person came over and, yeah, they could have said excuse me or whatever. They did 
physically shove me out of the way to give the person water. And I still find that a bit like, you know, maybe improper, but their point was right. This person in this moment needs some water so that they can maybe get their health back up. Sure. Pray for them over there. Um, and that has been something that I have tried to take upon myself as a, as a learning lesson to say like some, some needs have physical needs and some needs have spiritual needs. And I think sometimes we get so wrapped up in the process of saving people that we ourselves get lost, as you've said. I think sometimes we can be trying too hard and too much, as we're talking about with Midnight Mass, maybe, to draw the wrong conclusions for something and think that that the problem is spiritual when what is really needed is maybe, you know, something a bit more practical, something a bit more helpful, and and you want to charge in and... Uh, cast out demons and you want to save souls and you want to do all that when maybe what is needed in that moment is a quiet shoulder and a cup of water and and I am not and in a that party. moment. <laughs> I mean, and, and yes, yeah, yeah. and party with that people just, you know care about you exactly. And uh, and I think that is a lesson to us all that are religiously minded to remember that, like, yeah, not every need has necessarily a, a a spiritual solution to it. And you need to be discerning to read the need and meet the need and not necessarily to go charging in saying like, well, I'm going to rebuke the devil in this headache or I'm going to, uh, I'm just going to spend more time reading the scriptures instead of paying attention to my nutrition or whatever the situation <laughs> is. You know, like some, sure. that as Christ said, that which is of the flesh is flesh and that which is of the spirit is spirit. And what I said is we would do best not to confuse the two, and it requires wisdom and discernment to not lose ourselves in the process of trying to save someone else. Um, so, mm. yeah. Yeah. I don't All right. really like thinking about this movie much, so. <laughs> you want to quickly go to the fog meter? Let's uh, do it. Our, uh, yeah, our special metric of fear and God, uh, where we rate the films on their scares and their substance. Saint Maud, uh, I don't think that I had mentioned this before, but it is a, a, a written and directed by Rose Glass. I think it's her feature film debut, uh, written and directed by Rose Glass. St. Maud, I'll start on Fear. This is a harrowing film. I'm giving this a 10. This is a nightmarish and unsettling and oppressive, and I'm giving it a 10. 10. On Fear. No question. I mean, 10 my God. on Fear. Like, it, yes. It, it would have been, it would have been a 9 or 9.5, and then the final shot, you're like, no, that's it. No. There you is, just did it. You sealed the right deal. They're just, they're just yep. like, we're just going to go over. Just one more time. Boom. Um, what would you give it on the God meter? The substance? I'm going to go with a nine. I think it knows what it's after. It is conscious of pursuing it and goes to the mat to try to wrestle it down. I mean, it's... Yeah, it's, yeah. yeah I understand. Uh, I, I, yeah. God factor by no means means palatable. But of course, of course, no, in this case means it's got a lot on its mind. And it absolutely does. Absolutely does. And to your point, I think it executes it well. I'm going to, I'm going to temper it a little bit. I'm going to go with an eight because I think it, it does a better job. I think of indicting things to be wary of than it does of giving you much else to hang on in terms of the alternative. Um, again, executed brilliantly. Um, but I think to to that end, uh, I think it, it just yeah, it just sits like a boulder in your spirit. Yes, uh, it I does. Think after watching, I think that's fair. Um, yeah. So so yeah, I give it an eight, and that means that we give Saint Maud, written and directed by Rose Glass, 
a nine out of ten on the fog meter. That's a pretty substantive fog meter showing. I mean, it's a pretty um, substantive, you know. Absolutely, absolutely. Meeting in the hallway. Would you recommend it? No, I don't uh, think I, mean, I would either. You know, I, again, this is a box to check for horror fans. Beyond that, no, it's it's yeah. I would, I yeah, and and part part of me, part of me is even compelled to because it's so brazen and impressive in its scare factor, but it's so grimy and so yes, yes, rough to get there. No, yeah, absolutely. I to non horror fans, go ahead and skip this movie. To horror fans, cautiously maybe check it out. I have to emphasize again for my own conscience sake that it is brilliantly executed and I think it is a very, very powerful and affecting movie. If we're thinking about what I would recommend, St. Maud would be way down on my list. I would recommend a lot of different things before I would recommend St. Maud. That having been said, very affecting film, very br- that is in no way a reflection of the film craft sure. yeah, or no. of the substance of what's on the film. It's just it's just way heavy and hard to watch. Um, and, and in that end, I would find it hard to recommend. Um. So, you want to tell them where we're going? Uh, can I do the honors of where we're going Please, next week? Go right, right ahead. So next week, boy, Nighthouse got that. Got that there. Saint Maud got that there. Next week, we're gonna have some fun. Next week, we're gonna go to some laughs. We're gonna go to, to and I'm not being facetious. Like th- th- this next movie is fun. We are gonna cover. We're gonna do a step up from sta- Saint Maud, not necessarily to an objectively better film although some may consider it so, but definitely a lighter film and a more palatable film and a more easily recommendable film. We're going to go to Josh Rubin's Werewolves Within. That is our film coverage for next week. The we patrons saw it together. Should, we did. We watched it together. We'll, I'm sure we'll share that story. Um, the patrons should also prepare for Midnight Mass Episode 4. And then... And yes, those who aren't patrons should become patrons. And then prepare for Midnight Mass episode four. Yeah. Um, but either way, next week, Werewolves Within. Uh, very, very fun film. Definitely one that you should check out before you, uh, because there are, some prize- there are some surprises in it that we will spoil. So check that one out before you come to our episode. And as we say on every episode, the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom and not the end of the conversation. And in that spirit, we encourage you to fear nothing else and be on your way rejoicing. Thank you, Nathan. Thank you, listeners. Absolutely, brother. We'll see you next week, everybody. See you guys. The fear of God is the beginning of wisdom, but not the end of the conversation. And you can continue the conversation in a variety of ways. Start by visiting thefearofgodpodcast.com for links to our social media, essays, and episode archive merchandise and more. If you love what we do, please consider becoming a patron by visiting patreon.com slash thefearofgodpodcast. There you'll unlock exclusive bonus episodes, extended standard episodes, online event access, and so much more. We want to issue a special thanks to Jacob Hunt of tracermatula.com for our artwork, also to our assortment of talented musicians, including Andrew Nelson, The Island Family, and Jackson Harper for our varied show tunes, and also to Lee Wright, who helped me, Reed Lackey, write our theme music. Special thanks also to Tyler Smith at morethanonelesson.com. Lastly, be sure to subscribe to us on your podcast platform of choice, and if you listen to us through Apple Podcasts, we would greatly appreciate a rating and a review. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you next week. Hi, everybody. <laughs>